What an honor it is to be able to open God's Word with you today. We open today to the book of 1 Corinthians. We have heard hints of this passage already this morning as we tried to integrate it into the service. Now let us read God's Word together. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 begins, Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag, and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, we are so thankful to be able to come into your house and worship you we confess boldly and proudly that we believe this is the very purpose of our creation, to join our hearts together as your body and come into this place, for you are awesome. You are faithful. You are all in all, and there is none like you. Forgive us of the ways that we have fallen short this week, and we pray, Lord Jesus, that by opening your word, that the Spirit may flow freely through us so that we might change and grow and be transformed even into your character, the very character of love. We pray these things humbly, believing they are only possible through you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, in honor of Halloween and all of the crazy that goes on in culture in the month of October, we began a sermon series last week entitled Ghost Stories. But instead of uh, fictional stories, I thought our time would be much better invested if we looked at some real fears, some real struggles that most of us fight and have a hard time with. And so last week, we began looking at the fear uh, of, of uh, failure. And this week, we continue on looking at the fear of intimacy. You know, I, I began studying this week, and I kind of was drawn to this subject, and, um, and I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was applicable to everyone. But the more I studied, the more I prayed, the more I just looked throughout the week, it just seemed like everywhere I turned, there were affirmations that this was the message for us today. And so my hope is that not only will we understand the fear of intimacy, but that the Spirit might speak to us today so that we would be able to overcome. Do you have a fear of intimacy? Perhaps these questions will help you decide. Would the significant others in your life say that you are transparent, that you're able to share intimately your emotions and feelings with them? 
Or are you rather strong-willed, you know, the silent stoic type and don't need anyone? Are you conscious yourself of hiding the real self behind a mask? Are you more comfortable in the work world than the kind of personal interactive world? Do you sometimes you just avoid spending time with your mate? Do you, do you resist investing in relationships? Do you always feel like others are better than you? That you never feel good about your appearance? Do you, do you resist taking risks to improve your situation? If these represent you, then perhaps you have an issue with intimacy, and together today we might discover ways to overcome. So what is intimacy? As I studied this week, I came across one uh, one person that, that kind of identified, it seems like a good definition. He said, intimacy is sharing our deepest thoughts and feelings with one another, of being deeply seen and known, of sharing love, of passion, creativity, laughter, and joy. Listen to this last part. The experience of intimacy fills our soul and takes away our loneliness. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that something that we all hope for? Let me just begin, by the way, and just, and just say that when I we're talking about intimacy, we're not talking just about physical intimacy, but that's one component within the God-ordained relationship of marriage. I've always kind of felt like that part of life is the, is the cherry on top. It's the icing on the cake when all of the other kind of emotional and spiritual intimacy is in order. So how do you feel about Intimacy. I think that intimacy is a gift created by God, and it really was the default setting even in the Garden of Eden. Listen to Genesis 2 and 23. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Or as we say in North Carolina, they were both naked. So what's being communicated here? One flesh equals unity and intimacy. Naked and not ashamed means nothing hidden. But again, sharing life, love, passion, creativity, laughter, and joy. In my mind, some of the very best things the world has to offer. And this intimacy even extends to our relationship with God. This is one of my favorite verses. It may not mean very much to you, but the first half is so powerful. Genesis 3.8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You know what that means? The vision that I see there is that Jesus Christ himself would come in the afternoon and would meet with Adam and Eve, and they would walk and they would talk openly without hidden, any, nothing hidden, just being open and intimate and, and sharing things in the garden. I, I see in my mind's eye, you know, there's Adam and, and a discovery and, and, and him just saying, giraffe, Jesus, Lord God, what, what were you thinking here? This just seemed aardvark. What, what in the world? Platypus. All of the discoveries, sharing openly and honestly without being hidden. And I believe that was and is God's plan for us even today. And if it is so good, why do we struggle so with intimacy? 
What are the obstacles to intimacy? Listen to the rest of that same verse. The first part, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The second half, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to the man and said, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. What is the greatest obstacle to intimacy? It's fear. And fear comes in many forms. In this case, it was the fear of shame and guilt, which leads to the conclusion, I am not worthy of intimacy. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in uh, the pastor's study and tried to do some counseling with somebody, and my goodness, those words come out so many different ways, but that's the meaning, I am not worthy of love. I am not worthy of intimacy. And perhaps the greatest fear, the greatest obstacle is the fear of rejection. What a moment we had on Wednesday. We had our staff meeting, and we began to talk about it, you know, and I was still struggling. Is this kind of the direction I wanted to go? And, and, and it was amazing to me how the staff, my friends, people that are healthy and whole, they, they all began to talk about it. And man, the words just rolled off their mouth. That, that, that fear of rejection is huge. And one of the staff members said it, he said it so clearly, succinctly. He said, it's like, if I really show you who I am, will you like the real me? It's the fear of losing another person. And then there's the fear of engulfment, the, the fear of being overwhelmed or invaded, of, of losing oneself. And, and for some, it's not so much a fear of, uh, at all, but that they never really learned intimacy. Some have family histories where there's not a lot of emotional intimacy, and, and some have histories where emotional uh, intimacy is viewed as a threat to unhealthy behavior. If someone's trying to hide something, if someone has a, an addiction, if there's alcoholism, then intimacy can be a threat. And when there are secrets, intimacy is so very difficult, if not impossible. So then, what are the costs of a lack of intimacy? As I was reading this week a completely different book on a different topic, I found this quotation from Soren Kierkegaard, a philosopher, a mathematician, sometimes theologian. Kierkegaard said this, the most common form of despair is not being who you are. Isn't that the truth? The most common form of despair is simply not being who you are. People won't like the real me, and so I have to make myself into someone else. What does the lack of intimacy cost? Failed marriages. And sometimes sufferers have the feeling of isolation and, and being alone and, and the inability to connect. And you know what? Enough of that, because I think everyone experiences some of this, and, and we kind of know the cost, so let's move forward. By the way, let's not ever confuse true intimacy with Facebook and texting, and tweeting, and Instagram, or tap, Snapchat. I don't even know what Snapchat is. I just had to confess that. I wrote it. I don't know what it is. But I do believe that they're merely counterfeits that point to the real thing. And they point to a need for intimacy for each one of us to be known and to be accepted. Speaking of Facebook, 
I came across a link. I enjoy Facebook. I just, I just don't think that's where we're going to find intimacy. I came across an article this week, and it just it so uh, intrigued me, I had to click on it. The title of it was 65 Brutally Honest Questions You Secretly Want to Ask on a First Date. 65. 65. I, I may get in real trouble here, but I don't think a man wrote that. And I, oh, <laughs> don't stone me. It's because... <laughs> I just don't think men are that complicated. I think we have about two questions. One is not a question. It's like, I wonder how much this food's going to cost that's in front of me. And she's pretty. And that's it. That's all, that's all we've got. That's, we're not that complicated. 65 questions. Are you ready for, for some of them? Here we go. I'm going to try to do it in one breath. Are you ready? Why are you single? What's your first impression of me? Is there anything you dislike about me already? Are you emotionally unavailable? Do you have commitment issues? If we end up dating, will either of us be settling? What's your biggest insecurity? Have you ever cheated on someone? Are you looking for something serious or casual? Who did you vote for in the last election? You didn't vote? Why didn't you vote? Do you want to get married someday? How do you think this date is going so far? That's just 12 of the 65 questions. And I just want to point out, that's not a date. That's an inquisition right there. That's an interrogation. But you know what you can read between each one of those 65 questions? It's a desire. I want to know you, and I want to be known, but I'm afraid to let you in. That's what's really going on in those questions. So how do we overcome that fear. Number one is this. First, acknowledge your need for intimacy. Now listen, I think men and women have kind of different ways of communicating that, that need. We may have different needs for intimacy, but we all need it. It is a God-created. Do you see yourself as having been created for love in God's image? Is that how you see yourself? Genesis 1.26 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. What does that have to do with intimacy? Listen, Charles Lowry said it this way, Within the unity of one God, there are three real and distinct persons, three centers of consciousness, will, and activity. Thus there is a real sharing a genuine communion, an authentic love. But the diversity is within a unity which is in intensity and completeness surpasses all human thought and imagination. Listen, if that seems too theological for you, just listen. We are created in the image of God, the triune God, God who is in relationship. And so we likewise too are created for relationships. After all, how does the Apostle Paul describe you and I this morning? He says we are the body of Christ. We are all part of something. Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ. In other words, we aren't complete without one another. There is a planned interdependency between us. John Donne wrote the famous poem, No man is an island, entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the, of the main. What's the first step to overcoming our fear? 
just acknowledge that we were created for. We have a need for intimacy and that it is God's good plan for you. Secondly, if you struggle with that, if you know those questions I asked up front kind of described who you are, just simply pray that God would help you overcome the fear of intimacy and that he would give you deep and meaningful relationships. Sandy and I have moved over the years, you know, when we were in the army, we'd move every one or two years, and, and so she's, I mean, we feel like one flesh. Even so, I, there are times in our lives where we need friends, we need, and I have prayed for her, and she's prayed for me, you know, just bring someone into her life, bring someone into my life, a, a special friend, someone to share life with. We need that, and God has been faithful to answer. Listen, we can pray this with confidence. Listen to Psalm 34 and 4. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Isn't that beautiful? What an incredible verse. If, you, if you're struggling with this or struggling with fear, memorize Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 34, 5 continues. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. If we invite the spirit to work within us, he will take away our fears. Third, let intimacy start with you. You know, as we, we read uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and, and we look at that, you know, I, I think it's almost immediately that we turn to the other person and say, you know, you should love me like that. You should love me like that. Why don't you love me like that? Listen to the translation from the message of the same passage. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Whoo, I've done some counseling on that one. Doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trust God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps on going to the end. So number three, let intimacy start with you. Practice this passage. Practice these, and not in the other person. Don't hold it up to the other person, but allow yourself to practice these things and then see how others will respond. And you know what I would anticipate? If you begin to love others in this way, this intimately, they're going to respond in a glorious way, and you're going to reap a tremendous blessing. Now, some won't. Some won't get it. Some will take advantage, and all I can say is don't let those people into the inner circle of your heart. On the other hand, don't let them stop you from sharing life in the very best things. Of course, some will protest, but I'm afraid of being rejected. Listen, rejection is always hard, but it does not have to be life-destroying or fear-producing because my value first comes from my relationship with God. And, and brothers and sisters, if your value doesn't come first with your relationship with God, then that's something to work with. My value does not come from other people 
from the acceptance or the rejection of others. And so if there is a rejection, it doesn't have to stop me. It doesn't have to, to, to destroy me. Talking about stopping, I was reading, this is another one of those moments this week. I wasn't anticipating this, but I was reading a book, and, and I came to this one sentence, and when I read it, I just had to stop because I, I just, it, it just, it was so shocking to me. Maybe it's not that big a deal to you, but I came to this one line in the book, and it said this, do you realize that Father God loves you just as much as he loves Jesus Christ? And my first reaction was, no, no, no. That, that can't be so. That, that can't be so, because I am so unworthy of his love. But you see what I just did there? First off, we recognize that God loves perfectly. He doesn't have favorites. First John says of him, he is love. In other words, he loves you perfectly. And my point is this, there may be people that come and go in your life that, that may reject you, may not accept you, but it doesn't have to shake the foundation of who you are because God loves you. That's the anchor, that's the bedrock of my life. And then out of that love, we can have this love and, and friends can flow. And again, some may not get it, but again, those people don't get in the inner circle of your heart. We all need a full spectrum. We all need a full spectrum of friends and relationships. Some uh, we'll have are simply acquaintances and some we'll love deeply. There's some we'll say hello to and then there's some that we're going to be able to share love and passion, creativity, laughter and joy. And to a select few, we can reveal without fear who we really are. We all need that full spectrum but not everyone gets into the center of the circle of our heart. Finally, some complain, I'm not worthy of love or intimacy. I've made so many mistakes. I've heard that again so many times in my office. I'm not worthy of love. It's gonna be hard for you to hear this, but it's not about your worthiness. It's about the perfect love of our Heavenly Father. And so our responsibility is simply to accept it. This is amazing grace. Ephesians 4.23 says, and that you, be, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self which in the, is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Put on the new mind. This is the gift of God. It is unmerited. It isn't because we deserved it. If we could earn it, we wouldn't need a savior. And I can say for me, and I think for all of us, I am deeply in need of a savior every day of my life. So what's the payoff if we overcome the fear of intimacy? Number one, we are stronger and more whole together. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, better Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift him up. 
his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down, together they keep warm. But how can you be warm alone? And if one overpower him who is alone, two can resist. A cord of three stands, three strands is not quickly torn apart. But it isn't just physically stronger. It is emotionally and spiritually stronger. And we remember the definition. The experience of intimacy fills our souls and takes away our loneliness. That's the payoff. And there's one last thing that's probably the most important and the best of all. As we learn to be intimate with one another, as we learn to be intimate with those we can see, we learn to be intimate with the one that we cannot see. Ephesians 5.31 says this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is mystery, a great mystery, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. What is the mystery? As we learn to love our spouse, as we learn to open ourselves to trust one another, we can learn to love our God more deeply and intimately. Listen, God's love, I want you to hear this, God's love is more powerful than your pain and can overcome and heal. Jeremiah 31.3 says this, The Lord who appeared from him from far away, saying, I have loved you, you, church. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. There is no doubt to his love. And our part is to choose to lower the walls of fear, to stop making excuses, and yield to the intimate power of love, to love our Father openly, without fear, just as it was in the garden, and then to begin to share and receive it from others. This is God's plan. This is God's plan from the very beginning, even to this day. Would you pray with me? The truth is, Lord, I am amazed by you, by your love, by your plan, your graciousness, your faithfulness. Perhaps I'm amazed most because I do feel unworthy of your love. And yet you have such a plan for us. And you love passionately. And you have come so that we might be healed. Help us, Lord, to live in the good plan that you have for us. May we feel the freedom. May you draw us to those that are trustworthy so that we might be known and be fully known and in knowing one another accepting one another may we come to love you more deeply and powerfully fully and openly in Jesus name Amen